Welcome to the Convene Podcast. I'm your host, Ashley Miltite. In this podcast, we're talking to Charlie Melcher. He's the founder of the Future of Storytelling, a summit that wants to upend the way we think about storytelling and the way we think about conferences. If you're going to have people come to a live event, then let's celebrate their being alive. And asking them to sit silently, passively in the dark for hours at an end is not celebrating their being alive. Coming up, where storytelling and conferences meet. Convene magazine is published by PCMA, the Professional Convention Management Association, and it offers fresh perspectives on meetings and events. You can find Convene online at pcmaconvene.org. Charlie Melcher is CEO of Melcher Media. It's a publishing company in New York, but not in the way you might think. They publish books, yes, but also apps, short films, digital media of all kinds. A few years ago, he realized there's this whole community of people like us out there who are telling stories in a new way. They might be musicians, gamers, advertisers, but they all have the same goal, to tell the best stories in the most innovative ways. He decided they all needed a way to get together, to inspire each other and learn from each other. That's how the future of storytelling, or FOST, was born. The first issue was how do you uh, create a 21st century conference? How are you able to sort of walk your talk with the event if the idea is to look at how digital media and, and technology is transforming the way we communicate? And the first insight was that we didn't want to make it a passive experience. We didn't want to create a conference where everyone sat in the dark in an auditorium and was lectured down to by somebody on stage. Instead, Charlie and his team decided to make short films of their speakers before the conference, films where they discuss their ideas and their work. Share those online before the event so our attendees could watch them get excited, choose their favorite speakers, and then when they came to FOST, they'd get to sit in a comfortable room around a table with their favorite speaker and 25 other people who had self-selected to be in that session. And then they have this very sort of lean-in, roll-up-your-sleeves hour to have a high-level, almost seminar with this world expert and 25 other really interesting people around the room. When Barbara Palmer, the senior editor of Convene, when she did a, a print piece about your conference, I think you were quoted as saying you, you knew you needed to blow up the conference model. Is that what you, you meant by that? Yeah, that and, and other things. Again, I, I, we were looking for ways to get people to learn by doing, get people to uh, connect with each other in new ways. A lot of what we were trying to do is to uh, take our attendees and shake them up into different groups so that we're Without people realizing it, we're forcing them to get to know each other, get to meet new people. For those of you who listened to the last podcast with Josh Packard, this may sound familiar. He argued that to keep future conference goers engaged, organizers will have to allow more interaction with the speakers and other guests at the event itself and let attendees watch the speakers' talks ahead of time. That's exactly what we do. And that came from the understanding that we should use each medium to do what it does best. So video works beautifully online. The internet is a perfect place to convey certain kinds of information. Uh, But if you're going to have people come to a live event, then let's celebrate their being alive. And asking them to sit silently, passively in the dark for hours at an end is not celebrating their being alive. It's not actually encouraging conversation, connections, uh, or participation. And it's not solved by taking three questions at the end. 
He says these days people expect to be able to participate, to like, share and comment. But even more than that, now we want to really be part of the discussion or we want to have a role to play at very least. And so we build Faust around that. And we all know you learn better. You make friends more quickly. Uh, you're, you're stimulated if you are physically active. He says little of the future of storytelling is passive. They do have performances, but pretty much everything else has attendees taking part in some way. They have workshops, for example. So we have somebody teaching aerial drone photography, and we have 20 people outside flying drones. And you know those performances I mentioned? Well, it turns out even those can get interactive pretty quickly. And the last thing is that we actually make a meta-narrative. I read about this. Yeah. I read about this and it sounded terrifying to me. Can you explain a little bit to people who don't know, how does that work? So we work with a writer and a troupe of actors and we create a story that's going to play through the two days of the summit. And our intention is, since we're here sort of talking about storytelling in, in a meta sense, we want you to also be able to experience it. So you're at a thought leadership gathering talking about storytelling, and you're in an immersive theater experience. For instance, at the most recent conference, that meta-narrative was that everyone in attendance was an extra in a Hollywood production. After actors, playing a leading lady and leading man, argued and flounced off saying they were leaving the production, attendees were asked to step up and take part. It sounds kind of like when you sit near the front during a modern theatre production and suddenly you're plucked on stage. But Charlie says you're not forced to take part here, just encouraged to. He says he and his team plot the course of the summit carefully. They even send each attendee a personalised memento box two months after the summit ends. I think the secret of the success of FOST is that we are uh, fanatical in paying attention to details. We are putting on an incredible show for our guests. We really think about this guest journey. Um, I mean, literally, we start by taking people on a private ferry boat off Manhattan Island to this destination where no one's ever been before, uh, this beautiful campus called uh, Snug Harbor, uh, located on an island, uh, Staten Island, uh, which, again, most people haven't ever been to. Uh, but this is a beautiful little campus in the middle of Staten I- or on the edge of Staten Island. Um, and so we're really thinking about taking our guests on a journey from before the summit all the way to two months after, they should feel like they have been on kind of a, an adventure, a luxury adventure of some sort, transported, transformed. You know, I was going to ask you if there are any parallels with creating a narrative to creating a conference, you know, with a beginning, middle and end. And it sounds like there are. Yeah, absolutely. I think our 20 our some odd years of, of crafting beautiful books and telling stories in print did prepare us very nicely for this. Uh, certainly the curation is, is a, a very um, similar to the editorial process of choosing writers or other creative contributors to a book. Um, the d- attention to detail that we have for the summit really comes from our experience paying attention to the details of making books. Uh, it's the same set of skills, I think, that have made us very successful in the, in the publishing world that have led to people really enjoying the summit. How do you pick who comes? Because you, it's a small, it's it's an exclusive group of people. Yeah, we limit the summit to 500 people. And that's, uh, interestingly, that comes about because there's only a certain number of rooms we have on this campus. And we don't want it to be more than about 25 people in a room. And we don't have 
space for more than 20 rooms. And so what it does is it, it keeps us at a set size, and we've made the decision we, to not grow any bigger than that because we think the intimacy of the conversations is a huge part of what makes the event special. The guests come from the worlds of music, publishing, journalism, technology, and marketing. Most people are regulars who get asked back each year. Only 10% are chosen from outside applicants. Do you do anything to facilitate connections between, you know, the people who may have been going for four years and then somebody new this year? Or, or does that just happen organically? So we don't have some conscious program like a speed dating or a, a mentorship or whatever. Um, but the way we organize the event, every bit of it is meant to shake it up so that you're having to meet new people each time. So one of the feed pieces of feedback we get is that you go to a session. There's 25 people in that room. And of course, after an hour of sitting around the table talking to the speaker, you get a sense of who that speaker is. You get to know the speaker. That's one of my complaints about a lot of conferences is that the speaker's on stage. And if I, at best, I'm going to get to shake that person's hand in the lobby and say, thank you, great talk, and maybe get their card. But I'm really not going to have a chance to have a meaningful discussion with them. Here, after an hour of sitting around a table, uh, I got to ask what I wanted to ask. I mean, I got a sense of who that speaker is, and they got to understand something about me. But the other wonderful surprise was that after an hour of listening to each other talk around the table, I got a really good sense of the other people in the room. And so what we see is that people leave those rooms stopping each other and saying, hey, we should talk, or I'm dealing with that too. Um, and so just the rooms themselves become a wonderful way for people to get to know each other. Yeah. Do you find, listening to you talk about this in the smaller rooms with the sort of set numbers of people, I'm someone who can be a bit of an introvert at conferences just because they can be overwhelming. There can be thousands of people there. And that I'm one of those people that will often run up to their room after several sessions just because I need to get away from that hubbub and all those people. Do you find that because of these smaller groups that people who might be a bit more introverted are actually happy to, to talk and they want to open up and talk in a, in a smaller setting? I think people feel much more comfortable to be able to do that again, with a small group of people in a room, and every, they might not be the first person to ask a question. Um, they might not start off the conversation. But after 30 or 40 minutes, and, they've, and pretty much everybody else has said something now, and also, by the way, we have a facilitator that's in the room with each speaker, so they're there to help make sure the conversation goes smoothly or to fill in if there's a, a lull, but also to make it welcome for the person who hasn't asked a question or hasn't been in the conversation to, to come into it. And just back to those films they make of speakers before the conference, the films that kick off all the discussions these small groups have, these aren't mashups of PowerPoint slides and video. Each film has a team and a director and takes many hours to produce and edit. It sounds like it's so much work. I wonder how, not that every conference in the land would wish to replicate this, but it's pretty labor-intensive doing it this way and doing it well. I totally agree, which is why I'm completely comfortable sharing it with you. <laughs> I think that it's um, – I think we're the first to do this, but I don't think that there's something that we own. I mean, the idea of making films or, or sharing them online, you know, we, we didn't invent that. Uh, we're just willing to put in the work. Uh, and the time. And again, that goes to our craft as storytellers, making books, making videos. I mean, we've made almost 100 videos now. We have made 
about 100 videos now over the last five years just for FOST. They're on our site. Anyone can come watch them. We release them as we lead up to it. But it's all part of like creating a very rich story world for our attendees. Whether it's the meta-narrative or the boat ride or the videos beforehand or the takeaway personalized books after, we're inviting you into this exquisite journey, this hero's journey. And literally, we think about how can we have you leave transformed? How can we have you leave with the world seeming like a different place at the end of it? Charlie Melcher. The next Future of Storytelling Summit will take place in October 2017. That's the Convene podcast for this time. We'd love to hear any feedback you have on the show. You can write to us at convenepodcast at pcma.org. There'll be another show soon. I'm Ashley Milne-Tite. Thanks for listening.